welcome to the Equine Connection Podcast, where health, nutrition, and love for the horse come together. This podcast is brought to you by Tribute Superior Equine Nutrition. I'm Dr. Chris Mortensen. And I'm Dr. Nicole Rambo. How you doing, Nicole? Good to see you. I'm doing well, Chris, and how are you? Doing good, doing good. Today, I want people to stick with us because, yeah, you see trace minerals, and you're like, oh, okay, that sounds boring. But they're critical. These things are so important. I, it, I almost think like it's the forgotten nutrient, in a sense, or nutrients. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, you know, they're they're the little things on the tag. Um, and it's interesting if you think about it. I mean, I went to grad school with people who did whole master's and PhDs focused on like just one or two of them researching so in depth. So there, there's a lot of information there. Um, we'll try to keep it pretty like practical and high view for you today. Uh, but they're complex and super important to health, wellness, performance, all that stuff. I know, I know. And I used to read studies just on iron. And you're like, okay, yep. let me sit down, get a cup of coffee and study about iron. But then once you get into it, you realize, oh, wow, okay, it does have a big impact. So I guess if you could just give a brief overview of minerals, you know, the classes of minerals and kind of their their overall function. I mean, there's so many, but. It's almost like what function are they not involved in? <laughs> true, so true. It, to keep it really broad, uh, things like strong, healthy bones, producing enzymes and hormones. So all the mechanisms to drive the stuff in the body, um, maybe zooming out a little bit, a place you might actually visibly see a difference in a horse, their hoof and hair coat. And then of course it'd be involved in things like antioxidant status, the immune system. I can't think of a single function that doesn't have some mineral involved in some point in the process. So as a whole, minerals are super important. You bring up a good question, like there's these different classes of minerals. Mm -hmm. What the heck is that? If you as a listener have ever looked at a feed tag and been like, why are some of these in percents? Why are some of these in these PPM things? What the heck is that? Yeah. And and that just comes back to the two classes of minerals. So you have your macro minerals and your micro minerals. A lot of times when we talk about micro minerals, that's interchangeable with trace minerals. Macro minerals are those that are fed in larger quantities, so grams per day. And you're going to see those on the tag as a percentage. So for all of those, a little bit larger quantity required by the horse, the labeling requirements demand that in feeds, macro minerals be labeled with a percentage. Our trace or micro minerals, just a smaller daily requirements. So those are in milligrams per day. And you'll see them on the tag as PPM or parts per million. Parts per million are milligrams per kilogram. Now, this is kind of confusing, right? Because yeah. we feed in pounds. So a pretty common question that we get is how many milligrams per day of X nutrient is my horse getting? And that's really easy. You just do the conversion. There's 2.2 pounds per kilogram. So basically, if we say it's 22 uh, milligrams per kilogram, divide that by 2.2 to get 11 milligrams per pound provided by that particular feed. And I will also say like, you guys don't have to do that math. Um, 
as long as you're feeding the minimum recommended rate of a product that is appropriate for your horse, we've designed them to provide all of the NRC requirement for those nutrients when combined with a pretty average range of haze. And then like a little bonus because we want to make sure we prevent those deficiencies. So you don't have to do the math, but if you have questions, please reach out. We're happy to help with that. So big picture, what you should take away, macro percentages, micro or trace, PPM, tiny, tiny. I know I could just see them like, oh my, how do I figure this out? But that's why we have you. So that's, that is why, uh, you know, you have the equine nutritionists that are on board formulating these feeds and then they can a- answer your questions. And just really quick to follow up with Nicole, we, we always have the a link on the show notes where you can click and, and send in your question. So trace minerals, these, these, these micro minerals, and can we just kind of give a broad overview of, of the more important ones that are commonly seen on feed tags that we commonly talk about? Uh, that we're commonly concerned about. And just for example, selenium, we just did a, a podcast on it a month ago. So we covered it on June 16th. It, we, we dedicated a whole podcast to a micro mineral. That's what led us to this podcast, kind of giving a broad overview on them. They're that important, right? So if you can just kind of give a broad overview of some of the more important ones, uh, that'd be great. Yeah, I think a good way to actually think about this where feed labeling, if we think about the logic behind it's pretty useful. So on a feed tag, if you look at a tribute feed tag, we have tons of nutrients listed. So we give you a lot more information than is required. But for horse feeds, the basic requirement for trace minerals are to label copper, zinc, and selenium. I'd say those are going to be your three biggest ones that horses are most likely to be deficient in that we have to supplement to some degree above and beyond their hay. You know, there are lots of other ones and ones that they they still may require more of and things we're formulating for, but I'd say those three are the big rocks. From there, some other trace minerals with known requirements. We have cobalt, iodine, iron, uh, manganese would be another one. So those are ones that have known NRC requirements, meaning that we have been able to do the research to define what is the minimum recommended rate that's going to prevent the horse from showing symptoms of deficiency. There are other ones that we realize are essential for the body that we just maybe don't have enough research or functionally there's enough in just like the basic diet of the horse to meet their needs meaning that in a research setting, you can't reliably create those deficiency symptoms. If you can't create them, then you can't figure out the minimum amount. So examples of those would be things like fluorine or silicon. Uh, Another interesting one, chromium. There's been kind of more talk around that recently. That's one where the NRC said, hey, horses probably have a requirement. We don't functionally see deficiencies in the field. Um, Therefore, we're not going to make a minimum requirement because we don't have the data to support one. But like, yeah, horses probably need it. Um, So a lot of stuff going on there. Um, If you want, we could dive a little deeper into like what do copper and zinc do since we talked a ton about what selenium did in a past episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are, I think, because like you said, those are always uh, you know, on the feed tag. So those are ones that we're, we're always concerned with. So what are some of the highlights with them, you know, and, and just a brief overview on their, you know, function in the horse would be great. Yeah, super, super big picture. Don't worry, I won't go too deep in sciencey on you. So copper, it helps form red blood cells. Um, as I mentioned earlier, a place a lot of times you can see 
the trace mineral influence in the horse is hoof and hair coat. Copper is integral for those. You know, copper also has a role in muscle metabolism um, in bone. So we have a lot of focus on what the minimum copper requirement is in the growing horse because we've actually learned it's higher than what the NRC does. So I'd say like those would be super big picture for copper. Part of the reason that they tend to be grouped together, copper and zinc, two important ones, there's definitely some carryover, like hoof quality, for example. Zinc plays a role in that as too. Um, zinc also is important for respiratory functions, so it actually helps carry carbon dioxide. Um, it has a big role in immune function. And both copper and zinc are part of one of the antioxidants that works in the body. So both of them play a role there as well. Part of the reason we have a focus on copper and zinc together, they share some transporters. And I don't prescribe to like the super perfect, like it must be this ratio. There's not science to support that. However, if we look at what the minimum requirements are, we do see a difference there. And if we, for example, if you heard like copper does these important things and you dump a bunch of copper on, you could inhibit zinc uptake and vice versa. So, you know, there is because there are shared transporters when we are formulating some kind of basic balance that we try to keep between them. Like I said, I, I don't think that you need to look at your hay and your grain and be like, it must be exactly this ratio. It's just a range that would be appropriate. Yeah, that, that makes sense. That makes sense. All right. So I've been itching to ask you this question because, you know, owners are pr probably out there listening. Okay. Okay. I get it. Trace minerals are important. Where in the diet are horses getting these? Are they getting all of them in the forage? And then if not, you know, how do we make up for those deficiencies? Ah, yes. You're like, practically, what do I need to do? Okay. So some minerals they get plenty of in their forage. Certainly a lot of your macro minerals. And then some some of your trace minerals, like iron, for example, most horses, unless you're talking about like racehorses, get plenty of iron from their forage alone. However, thinking about our big rocks, copper, zinc, selenium, I've never seen a forage analysis where copper and zinc needs could be met by forage alone. Oh, wow, ever. Okay. Uh, selenium is another one. You know, there are some areas that have higher soil selenium, which result in higher forage selenium. But very rarely do we see a situation where some added fortification is not required. Um, in fact, kind of the only time that selenium fortification wouldn't be appropriate is more horses are eating selenium accumulating plants, things like that. So, you know, from that perspective, even if you have amazing forage, you're not going to meet all of those trace mineral needs. And in fact, some of those like smaller ones I listed on down the line, some of them you might meet that minimum for the horse who's at maintenance, but maybe not the horse who is working harder. And for all of those, a lot of times we kind of have assurances built into a complete feed, uh, iodine, for example, to make sure that we have enough of it coming into the diet. So we're going to fortify with that as well. Even if you don't see it listed on the tag, for example, you might see it in the ingredients. So whenever, you know, in all the podcasts we've done the last couple of years, I always, you always say, you know, yes, you need additional feed to forage to fill those gaps. These are always those gaps, almost always. I mean, there's other gaps, you know, and other nutrients, but like I always go straight to the trace minerals, right? I mean, because that's what you're always talking about. Uh, yep. It's my amino acids, trace minerals, and vitamins. You have been paying attention, Chris. I appreciate it. <laughs> I have. I have. I have. It's been great.
learning from you. So, okay. So we have the gaps. So how best do we fill those gaps? I mean, is it just to concentrate or do we just do a vitamin mineral mix? You know, how do we do that? Mm, Good question. So we think about horses with two levels of needs. Horses who just need those missing nutrients are easy keepers. Horses who need nutrients plus calories are moderate to harder keepers. So you're more so thinking about like, do they just need a vitamin mineral? That'd probably be your easy keeper. So if you look at a lot of those, the inclusion rate is really tiny. It's got a lot of stuff. And unfortunately, you see a lot of those vitamin mineral supplement type products have a little bit of a lot of things and not a lot at a biologically functional value. So there's there's no point in adding something and spending the dollars if we're not filling the whole gap. So generally speaking, my recommendation to fill in that gap is to use a ration balancer to provide those trace minerals plus that other stuff. The other part about that is, you know, if let's say you just start focused on vitamins and minerals, you're forgetting about the amino acids, things like gut health support, all of those. Even if a horse doesn't need a lot of extra calories, a lot of times they can benefit from those. Challenging, if not impossible, to put all of those things in a tiny, tiny feeding rig, like one or two ounces. So for that reason, if we're looking at complete picture, completely supporting the horse's total needs, a ration balancer would be perfect. So low feeding rate, one to two pounds per day, fill in your trace mineral gap along with all of those other things. Now for those horses who are working harder, just have higher metabolisms, they need calories plus those nutrients that aren't found in their hay. So as long as you're feeding the minimum amount of a full intake feed, so in our case, a thousand pound horse would need a minimum of four pounds of colmanese per day, that's going to fill in the trace mineral gap as well as those other gaps as well, plus provide them those calories to do their job, maintain their body condition. Yeah, no, yeah, it makes sense. There are some concerns though with trace minerals, right? We can either, I mean, we've talked a little bit about deficiencies. Uh, what about toxicities? Can we feed too much of it? Yeah, absolutely. So in both cases, it's bad, right? Not healthy to not feed enough of it and then to feed way too much. One of the challenging things about trace minerals, a lot of times the symptoms of deficiencies on toxicities clinically look very similar in the horse. So the best way to understand that is to look at your total diet. Am I feeding too little? Am I feeding too much? With many of them, there's a fairly wide gap between meeting the minimum and not exceeding what we call the maximum tolerable limit, the amount we can feed for some duration of time without creating those symptoms of toxicity. So while yes, we don't want to just throw lots of copper and zinc in the diet, you're probably unlikely to cause a toxicity unless you're like really going to town. However, if you're just supplementing copper and zinc, for example, you've completely forgotten about manganese, which also shares some of those similar transporters, and you might create a subclinical manganese deficiency. So just to make life a little bit more complicated, (laughs) of course, we talked about this a bunch, kind of the one exception to that, that has a narrower range um, between minimum amount and toxicity would be selenium. Um, So I encourage people not to add extra selenium on top of a complete feed for any reason, unless there is blood work that supports that. And very rarely is that necessary. So ultimately, um, it is something we need to be worried about. But I don't want you to walk away scared of trace minerals. Because as long as you are not playing, you know, mad scientist in your feed room, 
it's really not something you need to worry about. So that's one of the other advantages of feeding a commercially formulated feed. We've kind of done all that math for you and prevent the risk that you're going to create. Again, a deficiency, as long as you feed at least the minimum, a toxicity, the levels in there aren't going to get you to that amount, which, you know, you could with playing, you know, mad scientist, a scoop of this, a scoop of that. If you have multiple supplements containing relatively high levels, you could create a toxicity or a subclinical deficiency in another mineral. Yeah. Let you be the the mad scientist. I could just see you in there in the in the lab going, okay, I'm going to mix this, I'm going to mix that, and and that's what you get paid for. That's that's what you went to school for. You know, so many years of school to to learn how to do that safely in horses. So, yeah, I, I love that visual because I, I I could just see you know as an owner like, oh my god, I need this, and I need X amount of that, and. Yeah, let, let the the companies do it today because it, it's so advanced. It's gotten so advanced in in the last 10, 20 years. Yeah, and and the other part of that, I mean, there are some differences in absorption mechanisms and how much is available to the horse and some of those different things between things like your inorganic and your organic trace minerals and and there's a lot more that goes on to that than simply just amounts per se, and and picking quality products that are backed by science to actually be functionally useful in the horse. Like not all organic trace minerals work the same in the horse. So all of that stuff. No, it's good. It's good stuff. It's really good stuff. And and, and like I said earlier, it's just the the research and feed companies like Tribute that have, have that have poured a lot of money into the research and formulating these feeds. I mean, it's it's changed a lot in, in 20, 30 years. It's just a lot. So any final tips for owners on ensuring their horses are getting their trace minerals every day? So my main tip is find a product that's appropriate for your horse's life stage and calorie needs. Feed at least the minimum. That's something we are happy to help with. The biggest issue that I see is people picking a feed that's fantastic and then not feeding at least the minimum because they're like, oh, my horse will get too fat on that. So you'd be providing enough calories, but shortchanging them on those trace minerals. So just making sure you're feeding the minimum should fill in those gaps. And then from there, of course, something that's produced in a safe way with good ingredients, all of that stuff. But after that, you you find a company and a formulator that you're very comfortable with and you feel good about feeding a product from them, follow the minimums and they should be designed to meet your horse's needs and support them. Yeah, always read that feed tag. Always read that feed tag and follow those directions because they're there for a reason. And like you said, you know, they've been formulated to, to meet all the horse's needs. Well, that's it for today, Nicole. Thank you so much. And thank you to our listeners. Thank you for the comments. Please keep those questions coming, you know, on Facebook or reach out to the tribute team. That link's always on our show notes. And, you know, just stay tuned next week for another great episode. Thank you, Chris.